This is the Made Up Savannah podcast, a captivating place to tell stories of the vibrant and charming lifestyle, culture, history, and most importantly, people that make Savannah what it is, truly extraordinary. A new episode is just moments away. We're diving deep into Ghost, specifically Ghost in Savannah, part two with Enika Edenfield, enikaedenfieldtours.com or on Instagram at Eni Edenfield. We're, we're even more on the map, but like, it's funny when you, when you Google it or when you look it up, it's, you, you find some very specific things and they're very often like Bonaventure is mentioned a lot. Mm -hmm. And I know you have spent some time over there. Is that your favorite cemetery or area to... Yeah, it's one of them. So during the pandemic, when everything shut down, the cemeteries were still open. Mm -hmm. You could go walk around. And I was between jobs at that point in time. I had just left my news job uh, and I was leaving to go to another job right as the pandemic hit and that other job went away. So that is when I downloaded TikTok out of boredom. And walking out there, you know, I would see something interesting and, you know, still having that journalistic uh, compulsion, I would start researching things and finding out the real stories behind some of this stuff. And there's just so much history out at Bonaventure and there's just so much beauty out there too, mm -hmm. both it's natural beautiful. beauty and the gorgeous headstones that are out there. Bonaventure started off as a private cemetery. It opened up, I'm hoping I'm remembering this correctly, 1846. Uh, it was opened up by a man named Peter Wiltberger. And he wanted to think of his cemetery as this very prestigious place to be buried. Uh, and so that's about the same time that Colonial Park Cemetery is being closed. So he's tracking down the descendants of the first colonists and basically saying, you know, I can move your ancestors over to my cemetery. Uh, just let me know I can do that. Right. And Noble Jones famously is one of those people, one of the first colonists to come over with General Oglethorpe. Bless his heart, he was buried three different times, once at Wormslow, once in Colonial Park, and now in Bonaventure. Uh, but that place became a very popular Victorian garden cemetery around the same time that, you know, the Victorian period hits. A lot of people are glamorizing death because for a long time, uh, death had just kind of been something that you didn't really talk about. Like, oh, this person died. That's sad. We bury them. Move on. But the Victorians were the ones who started spending more time in uh, the cemeteries. They had, like, a whole morning uh criteria where it's like, oh, you mourn for the certain amount of time and you have to wear these certain clothes and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so that's when you start seeing, and I know it sounds weird to say it, you start seeing a renewed interest in death, mm -hmm. um, but through like a mourning and respect right. kind of thing. A reverence yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, and so people are spending a lot of time out there. There are a lot of historic postcards featuring Bonaventure Cemetery as this gorgeous place to visit. Mm -hmm. uh, John Muir. A uh, famous naturalist uh, was working on a novel, and it was about his journey from walking where he grew up to the Gulf Coast. Right. And he passes here through Savannah. He actually camps out there in Bonaventure. And he talks about how, you know, in this, uh, in his own words, a city of the dead, there is so much beauty and so much life there. 
Uh, so for a long time, Bonaventure has been pulling in a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, uh, skip ahead, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil yes. comes out. Right. And the cover is famously the Bird Girl statue, which used to be out at Bonaventure, part of the novel, and then later the movie is in Bonaventure. Uh, so that brings a lot of people in uh, based off of that. And the Bird Girl statue isn't there anymore. She's at the Telefair Academy. Uh, but and then, they had to move that. I mean, shoot. Oh, yeah. Like, because people were coming and wanting to do, you know. Yeah. And that family did not expect yeah. their burial plot to become a tourist destination. Sure, sure. Uh, and then from what I've heard, there was some vandalization and other concerns. So they donated uh, that statue to the Telfair Academy. But then, of course, you know, you've got a lot of famous Savannians who are buried out there. So if you're coming to Savannah and you're taking these tours, you know, you're hearing about Mary Telfair and uh, Little Gracie, Johnny Mercer, Conrad Aiken. And that, you know, also encourages people to go out there and check out their graves. Boy, I'm thinking about the guy who camped out there. I'm like, you got to have a, a big pair of headstones to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to be there all night. He was a bit of a weirdo. Yeah, I'm sure he was fine. Yeah, he was fine, obviously, he, and and found the beauty in it, which I think you know. I love walking through there. Mm -hmm. I, it is something that's this weird meeting of death and mm -hmm. beauty and peace. I, I don't know. I feel very peaceful. Yeah. When I walk out it's very different vibe from Colonial Park Cemetery. Yes. Uh, yes. Because I volunteer sometimes at the visitor center out at Bonaventure and people come in. They're like, is it haunted? And I'm like, it's got a vibe, but it's, I, I wouldn't say it's haunted. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want haunted, go to Colonial Park Cemetery. There's always something happening there. Right. It's, it's so different. Mm -hmm. the, the vibe is, you're absolutely right. That was a really good way to put it. It's definitely different. So uh, some of the interesting spots that, that you you took us to, I just, I was, I was just, I don't know. It, it really just shook me in a good way. Cause I was like, Oh, these are great stories to get to know. One of the things that I know you and I uh, share a common desire for is to raise awareness of the stories of great women in Savannah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things you were, you do a great job on your tour talking about Oh, thanks. Mary Musgrove. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about, about, about her. So Mary Musgrove was running a trading post with her husband on the Savannah River when General Oglethorpe arrived to set up uh, the colony, which was not called Savannah at the time. Uh, and obviously there was already people here. The Yamacraw were living here. They are now a part of the Muscogee Creek Nation. But they wanted to negotiate, like the Amakra and the English wanted to negotiate, figure out how they could coexist. Now, Mary Musgrove, her mother was Creek. Her father was English. So she had grown up speaking both languages. And she saw an opportunity, stepped forward, and was like, her John needed a translator. So I always say that, you know, we have founding fathers of Savannah, but we also have a founding mother. No doubt. She does not get the credit she deserves, but she was there. Uh, she has a historic plaque in Lafayette Square for some reason. I don't know why there. Uh, and one of the Bells Ferries on the Savannah River is named for her. But that's about it. Yeah, I remember the first time I had a, a brush with her story was riding that uh, ferry over from 
the West End and mm-hmm. we had, we weren't living here and we had stayed at the West End and so we were taking that back and forth and it was lovely, you know. And I was like, oh, let me learn about her. And so I, I kind of dug into a little bit of the history and I was just like, why do we not have nine million things named after this woman in Savannah? And, mm-hmm. and how can we fix that? Because it is well deserved. It would be oh, well yeah. deserved. Well and deserved. it wasn't just the Yamakra that she acted as an interpreter for. It was other tribes uh, within this area that she also made sure like everybody's copacetic. Everybody's going to understand everybody else. There's not going to be a miscommunication. And in fact, one of those tribes, and I wish I could remember the name of that tribe, uh, were so appreciative of everything that she had done that they gave her three islands off the coast of Georgia. That's right. And the English were like, you can't own property. <laughs> She's like, but they, they gave me this. This is mine. Uh, so much so that the leaders of that tribe actually had to show up here and be like, no, no, no. We gave her those islands. Those are hers. And there's some back and forth. The English, she ended up only getting control of St. Catherine's Island, which is where she essentially retired to, and it's believed that she's buried out there. Yeah. It's just unbelievable when you think about how much of the origin of what we know and love as Savannah was based on the communication of this woman. Like, I just, uh, she had a lot of it on her shoulders and obviously did a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing to me. Do you have a favorite square in Savannah? It kind of depends on my mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Chatham Square uh, just because it's a little bit more peaceful. It's a little bit more residential. Don't have as many tourists going through there. I think you and I were talking about both of us that we both liked um, Crawford Square too. Mm-hmm. And I love Crawford Square uh, because you can still see the water cistern there, which I think is really cool. Uh, because, you know, we walk around Savannah all the time and we don't think about what the city is literally built on top of. And some of our squares would have had water cisterns in them because fire was a huge problem in Savannah and a lot of early cities as well. And if there's a fire, you need water to fight it. So water cisterns were installed in many of the early squares, including Crawford Square. Uh, There's also... A really cute gazebo there. Love that There's gazebo. There's the basketball court. Crawford Square is reminiscent of what a lot of the squares would have been at mm-hmm. one point in time. A multi-purpose use. They're more garden spaces now, but at one point in time, they would have been a lot more functional. And Crawford Square is the only square in Savannah that was open to African Americans during Jim Crow. Wow. I don't think I knew that. It, it's that gazebo. I love it so much. And I feel like, um, am I correct in my history here that there used to be a funeral home on the corner, one of the corners there at Crawford Square? Uh, or at least the house was owned by funeral funeral directors. I'm not sure, but either I, way. I swear everything in Savannah has been a boarding house or a funeral <laughs> home at some point in time. I do feel like I have I have sensed some interesting presence over there in that gazebo. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've sat in there. I love it. It's beautiful. But you sit there long enough, and I think you'll feel an energy or two. Yep. That was also a red light district oh. for Savannah for a while. How you doing? That whole area. In fact, the present, famously was a uh, Houseville repute at some point in time. Ah. <laughs> and they mentioned that on their website. They're just like, yeah, it was. <laughs> That's Very cool. open about it. Right. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, 
show off the history, right? Yeah. Um, speaking of showing things off, I, I think this is another interesting spot you took us to. Uh, one of the dorm buildings with SCAD, mm -hmm. and I'm forgetting the name of it. Oglethorpe House. Okay. That has quite the history to it um, and still looks very similar to what was going on before it became a SCAD building. Mm -hmm. So Oglethorpe House started off as a motel, hotel, one of them, uh, called the Downtowner Motor Inn, which was a part of a chain similar to like Holiday Inn would mm -hmm. be. And just like Holiday Inn, they had a color scheme that all of the different uh, locations would use. The thing that's unique to the Savannah location is the ironwork on the railings. Uh, that ornate ironwork you see, that is only in Savannah. None of the other locations would have had that. Mm. Uh, and it was opened by J.C. Lewis, technically J.C. Lewis Jr., uh, who we now associate with J.C. Lewis Ford, which is actually opened by his father. Uh, but he had his car dealership. He was a businessman, did a lot of real estate stuff, uh, famously started WJCL, JCL, JC Lewis. Right. Named it after himself. Oh. Uh, yeah. Every time I mention that, everybody's like, oh, yeah. That's crazy, right? Oh, my goodness. What a light bulb. He was a mayor of Savannah. He pushed really hard to have the Civic Center opened. And, you know, as, as a businessman, after the Civic Center gets okayed, he's like, well, how can I take advantage of this as a businessman? Mm -hmm. And he already owned that property there. So he built the downtowner motor in thinking that, you know, the civic center was going to bring all these people back downtown because at that point, a lot of people had moved out of downtown, leaving it looking a little sketchy. So the hope was that the civic center and some other new projects would be bringing people back downtown. They need to stay somewhere, right? Right. So he opened up the downtowner motor in. And it was that for a while. It became a Ramada Inn, and then later it sold to the Savannah College of Art and Design, and they renovated it and turned it into their first dorm. It's interesting how they kept a lot of the spirit of the design of, of the downtowner. Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, it's just crazy. When you showed us the picture, it was just like, wow, that they've just made it into dorm rooms. I yeah. mean, it, you know, it and still paved looks over like, the swimming pool. Right. <laughs> Right, and it still looks very much like that old sort of retro hotel feeling to it. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of a lot of uh, interesting ghost stories that come out of that building. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff that you hear about, like the origins of certain ghosts and stuff, is mostly uh, guesswork because there are a lot of legends right. attached to that building, and of course, you've got a lot of college students who are going in there and college students like to talk and, sure. you know, they're like, Oh, did you hear about this thing that happened in this room? And we think it's attached to this thing that happened in the 1970s, you know? And that's the normal college student. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> what we have here at SCAD is the creative college student. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> but I, I can't tell you why that place is so haunted, haunted just because I like to go based off of historic fact. Sure. And a lot of it is just guesswork or legend. Uh, could some of those legends be factual? Sure. I just haven't been able to find those facts. Right. Uh, but a lot of people have heard this click, click, click of heels on the sixth floor walkway. 
and they believe that that is the ghost of a woman who committed suicide after her son died by falling off the sixth floor. Uh, And one of my friends had an encounter with her. With the click, click, click woman? Yes. So she was up one night studying. She had finals the next day. She was getting all these projects done. She gets done with everything, and she realizes she has a few hours to get some sleep. And she has gotten to that point of exhaustion where you're just angry. So she lays down. She's trying to go to sleep, and she's hearing that click, click, click of heels on the walkway. Mm. And it's driving her insane because she can't fall asleep. So she jumps out of bed, runs to the door, rips the door open, and screams, Shut up! It is too late to be haunting people! (laughs) Slams the door, goes back to bed. It woke up her roommate, and her roommate was like, Did you just yell at a ghost to shut up? (laughs) She was like, Yes, I did. Uh, But, you know, the ghost was respectful and left her alone the rest of the night. Yes. I feel like if you do confront the situation (laughs) in the right way with the right, uh, you know, uh, thing behind it i don't know maybe they'll they'll be respectful and yeah. move along i do need that on a shirt though shut up it is too late to be haunting people absolutely <laughs> i'm surprised you, you haven't printed it yet uh no one steal that by the way she's gonna do it and and possibly sell it on her websites because it's it's just gonna be fantastic um do you have a a favorite restaurant in savannah that has a sort of haunted background most of them do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my answer is going to be pretty basic, I think. I love Moon River. Mm. Uh, and in fact... A lot of history there. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends who writes food articles for one of the publications here in town contacted me because she was going to be going there and talking to them about their food, and it was going to be coming out just in time for Halloween. So she said, hey, let's team up. You can write about the ghosts. I'll write about the food. Uh also, I don't want the ghost to mess with me. So I feel like if you're there, they'll talk to you. Right. <laughs> I was like, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> uh, so we went there and they, the people who work there are so, so sweet. And they're taking us around. They took us up to the second floor, which they use for storage. And as a history nerd, I was in love. Mm. I was like, I know this place needs a lot of work, but I would move in here tonight if they let me. Right. Uh, because that building started off as the city hotel, and it was designed by William Jay, who designed the Owens Thomas House, and the Telefair Academy, uh, and I'm a big fan of his architectural style. You look at the front door to the Owens Thomas House, the doorway and the door are curved, and on the second floor of what is now Moon River, uh, where the hotel rooms were, the doors and the doorways are also curved. Mm. Uh, it also has the original pocket doors up there. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah, like I said, I'd move in there right now if they asked me. Uh, but we're up there and one of the managers was talking about the infamous woman in white. And I've heard a lot of stories about her. Mostly of her being mean and like pushing people down the stairs and everything. Uh, this was the first story I'd ever heard of her being nice to somebody. Oh. Uh, so. Maybe she'd had a drink or two yeah. and or, loosened or maybe, up. Or maybe those other stories are just misogynistic. Or uh, that. Yes. <laughs> true. Uh, so he was telling me how one of his employees had just gone through a nasty breakup. 
And, you know, she's still coming into work, but she's crying. She's finding quiet corners to go hide in. And every time he would see her, he tried to, you know, like build her up and be like, girl, like this is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. He doesn't know what he's missing. You're going to find an amazing person after this. Uh, so he was upstairs on the second floor that they use for storage and he's getting some stuff and he hears somebody walk in and hears crying and he thinks it's his employee. So as he's still gathering up stuff over his shoulder, he's calling, Hey girl, like we've been over this. You're amazing. He's trash. You're going to be fine. You know, you're going to find someone amazing after this and it's going to be the best thing ever. It sucks right now, but you're going to be fine. And he goes to walk back through that room and no one's there. Ooh. He's like, Okay. Uh, so he sees his employee downstairs and asks, like, were you just upstairs? No? Okay, cool. Uh, I just gave a pep talk to a ghost then. Uh, because a lot of people have claimed to hear the woman in white crying. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this makes perfect sense. She was watching you with your employee. Right. You were giving her pep talks. Right. And she was like, you know, I want a little bit of that too. Right. And obviously it probably worked. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm assuming. So good pep talk. Yeah. Um, and again, good advice. If you're ever confronted, give a good pep talk. Exactly. They'll probably be okay with whatever you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of it. All right. I want to, um, I want to bring it back to around to where we started, which was at the Savannah theater. Mm -hmm. Um, that has, has an interesting piece of history too, besides Benji, um, with the Booth family. Yes. So there are a couple of weird connections to Abraham Lincoln on that square. Uh, the monument to General Oglethorpe that's in the middle of the square was designed by the same artist who designed the Lincoln Memorial. Then skip over to the Savannah Theater. One of the notable performers who came through there was a guy named Edwin Booth. And I always show his picture on my tours. And he looks like this very serious Shakespearean actor. You know, he's got the typical Shakespearean actor clothes on. Uh, and I show that picture to most people, and they're like, yes, very serious Shakespearean actor. Who is Edwin Booth? <laughs> uh, and then I tell them, most people don't remember Edwin, but they all remember his brother, John Wilkes Booth, mm -hmm. who also allegedly may have performed at the Savannah Theater, too. Uh, not 100% on that, but it is confirmed that Edwin performed at the Savannah Theater. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, I feel like I did hear that um, John had some background in acting and whatnot both of them were actors their father had been an actor okay yes and so you know the boys wanted to make daddy happy and they went into the profession edwin was the more successful actor mm -hmm. during their lifetime and then his brother decided to kill abraham lincoln right and now everybody remembers his brother and not right him. he really did steal the the spotlight the didn't show. he uh he stole his thunder he did <laughs> he stole a lot of it um all right so Obviously, if you're going to go on a tour in Savannah, go on Enika's tour because it is fantastic and you will enjoy it very, very much. Do you have a suggestion for folks who are visiting and are wanting to visit um, as far as tours go? Obviously, we want them to do your tour because it's so good. But what about some of the other tour categories? Do you have like, you know, you're coming for the weekend, do this, this, this tour wise. Uh, well, you just had Jonathan from Savannah Architectural yes. Tours on. I always recommend his because he knows everything. Yeah, he does. Um, if you're going to go out to Bonaventure, the Bonaventure Historical Society offers free tours on the first, no, 
second, second Saturday and Sunday of the month. Uh, if you're not here on those days, I recommend the Savannah Cruisers, C-R-U-Z-E-R. -E okay. Uh, the woman who owns that company is also a member of the Bonaventure Historical Society, and she's also, you know, uh, very fanatical about historic accuracy. Uh, so she offers tours of Bonaventure and also uh, history tours downtown. If you have uh, any mobility issues, uh, both of those tours are mobile. The one at Bonaventure is on golf carts. The one oh, I've seen those. those the one cool. downtown yeah. is the uh, little electric mm -hmm. cars. Right, right. Yeah, that's very cool. Do you have a, a preference? Uh, you probably can't in the uh, tour guide world around Savannah, <laughs> but like as far as like taking the trolley tour or, or hopping on a carriage tour, or, you know. Everybody's got their own niche, and. My personal recommendation is if you're going to go on a tour, go with a locally owned tour. Mm -hmm. um, because with more corporately owned tours, I mean, they, they're valid too. I'm not throwing shade. Um, but with locally owned tours, those people, because they live and work here, a lot of them are locals. Right. Uh, they are dedicated to making sure that there is a degree of accuracy to it that uh, you're just not going to find with a corporately owned yeah. tour. Yeah. It, I mean, there are, I, I agree with you fully. There are a lot more layers, I feel like, with a, a local tour because, like, again, you know, you've got people who live and work here and play here and, you know, are not just here for, like, what people used to call a tourist season, mm -hmm. um, even though we don't have a tourist season anymore. It's, it we seems just have like, a slight dip. <laughs> yeah, really. The dip is really, what, January, February? and A little. It kind of starts in November. Okay. Uh, it's just, like, up here mm -hmm. in November and then starts heading down. It goes up a little bit in December around Christmas right. and then goes back down again. In January, and then kind of starts to pick up again in February. I feel like, you know, we visited for years and years before we moved here, and I feel like Christmas here has just gotten more and more beautiful, mm -hmm. and, like, it, I love it. I, I love seeing all the people come back uh, around Christmas time because I feel like it's just, we've really learned how to decorate the city around oh, here. Oh, yes. And I still feel, like, even though we're starting to see more people here at Christmas, I still feel like Christmas in Savannah is still kind of like a secret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, like if you know, you know, if you don't, right. you don't. Uh, but I think that the city here is amazing. And my, my personal little tidbit about Christmas in Savannah, uh, two tidbits actually go out to Bonaventure mm -hmm. because a lot of people will decorate the graves of their family members for Christmas. Oh, yeah. And it is just so charming. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, also walk up and down Jones street. Mm. at Christmas time because those people deck out those homes. Yes. And of course, uh, plant Riverside has become unbelievable at Christmas time too. I mm -hmm. mean, the market down there and, you know, um, we went down just to see Santa Claus last year. So, I mean, <laughs> it was pretty perfect. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing to take a tour in Savannah and, uh, obviously you are very good at it. So, uh, make sure you check, check, uh, Enica out everywhere. Where are you on Instagram? On Instagram, I am Eni Edenfield. Eni is spelled E-E-N-I-E. -E. Right. And then on TikTok, which you have become quite the rage on TikTok, too, um, Salt Waves Spanish Moss mm -hmm. on TikTok. So make sure you uh, check her out there. I, I loved doing your tour. I'm, I'm going to have to do 
the other tours of yours because I want to see the other sections of town. So I'm going to come back and do the others. I well, I have to check out my TikTok because I made a skit recently about uh, the lady who came up to us at the Savannah Theater. Ooh, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, anyway, thank you for taking the time to tell your stories. Uh, check out all of the things, including the tour, and uh, make sure to check Enika out on TikTok and Instagram. And yeah, um, thanks for giving me some stories that I'm never going to forget. And thanks Thank for you. being here. <laughs> Big thanks to our sponsors, McManamy Jackson and Hollis, First Coast Mortgage, and Spectrum Printing and Marketing. So you visited Savannah a few glorious times, and you're thinking about making the big move? Great decision. You already live in Savannah, and it's time to upgrade. Fabulous idea. You're a business owner looking to expand. Well, good thing we've rounded up a few partners who are experts in walking you through every step of your journey. When it comes to shopping real estate, you will be pleasantly served like a VIP at a fancy cocktail party at Corcoran Austin Hill Realty, 251 Bull Street in historic Savannah. Not only are they the home of our podcast studios, but they've been serving Savannah since 1978. Deep roots and decades of experience. And that pairs pretty perfectly with a global network. Corcoran Austin Hill Realty, home of the Made Up Savannah podcast, location gallery, and genuine real estate professionals, CorcoranAHR.com. You know, once you start your new home search and you get that image in your mind of your dream house, most people immediately start thinking about how they're going to make it all really happen. That's the time you can pick up the phone and call First Coast Mortgage. Michael Caputo and the team love seeing new people discover Savannah, and they've certainly seen a lot of that as a local lender for the last 30 years. FirstCoastMortgage.com. They treat you as you should be treated. First Coast Mortgage, helping you make good decisions so you can love where you live. And when you're ready to dot all the I's and get your new keys, McManamy, Jackson, and Hollis are real estate experts who know the stakes and know wholeheartedly that every client is more than just a transaction. A real estate lawyer can help you avoid some serious issues with your big move. They handle residential, commercial, corporate, and yes, even title insurance. McManamy, Jackson, and Hollis. You can find them at 415 Eisenhower Drive and at mjhfirm.com. That's mjhfirm.com. And we didn't forget about the business owner who is expanding and all of the big business rolling into Savannah right now. Who's working to help you tell your story? When you need visual branding that helps you take your story to the next level, pick up the phone and call Spectrum Printing and Marketing. Kim Bullock and Michelle Thompson have over 35 years of experience as a locally owned family business. So they specialize in you with unique marketing solutions, stunning brand recognition, printing, promotional products, and amazing custom apparel. They pride themselves in providing the elite customer service care you deserve. And they prove it too, because you'll connect with Kim or Michelle when you call 912-897-7228. Or email Kim with your needs today at spectrumsav.com. So go ahead and share this podcast with a friend, family member, coworker, neighbor, area business owner. You get the picture. 
If you have an intriguing Savannah story to tell or know someone who does, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Made of Savannah. You can subscribe on any of your favorite platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, and many more. Thanks for listening to Made of Savannah. The welcome mat is always out. Thank you.